Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. Should you wish to be on this here program, um, hang on. I'm I'm suddenly I'm I'm inspired to say something, um, and I need to. Um, yeah, yeah. This story is circulating. It's all over the media. And not only is it all over the media, the President of the United States has picked up the story and used it today to try to fan the flames on abortion. This is from The Guardian out of London. It's a liberal publication. The case of a 10-year-old child rape victim in Ohio who was six weeks pregnant, ineligible for an abortion in her own state, and forced to travel to Indiana for the procedure has spotlighted the shocking impact of the Supreme Court ruling on abortion. The story of the girl came to light three days after the court overturned a nationwide right to terminate pregnancy, and Ohio's six-week trigger ban came into effect. Dr. Caitlin Bernard an Indianapolis obstetrician-gynecologist said she received a call from a colleague doctor in Ohio who treats child abuse victims and asked for help. Indiana's lawmakers have not yet banned or restricted abortion, but they're likely to do so. Nobody involved in the story will confirm the details. Caitlin Bernard, the doctor who raised the red flag in the media, she's a pro-abortion activist. She's not talking about the story anymore. So she, a pro-abortion activist who's got a dog in this fight, generated this story to the media. All major American media outlets have run with it. A British news outlet has run with it. The president of the United States has run with it. And now she won't confirm any more details, give anything away. And the media is all outraged that the 10-year-old couldn't get an abortion and doesn't seem to be particularly concerned about who raped a 10-year-old. There's no police report that can be found to back up the claims. Who raped the 10-year-old? This is notable, and if it's a pattern, 
A 10-year-old is raped, according to members of the media and activists. They won't give us any more details. And they're not the least bit concerned about who raped the 10-year-old. They're concerned she could not get an abortion. They won't confirm details. We don't know if the story is even true. They're treating it as if it is true because it confirms their biases and advances their cause. And the very same reporters who are upset about this could not care less that a woman named Ghislaine Maxwell is in prison for 20 years for trafficking victims to sex predators and not a single sex predator has been named, indicted, or gone to jail. The absolute lack of curiosity by members of the media about the sexual violence to girls is something to behold. I mean, really, we have a host of victims who were trafficked by Gisley Maxwell. To whom were they trafficked? Not just Jeffrey Epstein. To rich and powerful men who hang out with him hung out with him before he hanged himself. Or maybe he didn't. But the media is absolutely incurious about this. It's always striking to me the things about which the media is incurious. The media is incurious about whether the story of this 10-year-old girl is actually even true. They don't care. They want to advance their narrative. They don't care about the victim. They care about using the story to advance a narrative. They care about that. They care about being able to paint Republicans as bad. They care about making it look like every woman everywhere is a victim. And yet they're absolutely incurious about all these young women who were trafficked with Jeffrey Epstein and his friends. I mean, it just seems to me that a media that claims to take on the rich and powerful that a newspaper run by a rich and powerful man who could fight liability charges and slander charges with a motto, democracy dies in the darkness, might want to spend some time asking who the men were who preyed upon these girls. Now, by the way, This is important. There's a new book coming out about Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein was a monster. And a lot of people knew Harvey Weinstein was a monster, but he was making them money. And so they they didn't want to talk. Some of them were scared. Some of them were making so much money, they were willing to put up with it. He's now in prison. He's going to die in prison. He's being charged in Los Angeles. 
But now the media has come out, you know, uh, what's his name? Ronan Farrow and, and two other reporters got Pulitzer Prizes for running this in The New Yorker. NBC News blocked the story. NBC News allowed Matt Lauer to have rape buttons, they called them internally at the office. Why? Because it was male reporters had these buttons in their offices where a young woman could come into their office and while sitting at their desk or across the room, push a button, it'd cost the door to close and lock. They were allegedly for shooters. If, if someone entered the office to do harm, push the button, locks you in your office, keeps you safe. But they were being used for sexual encounters, some of which were forced upon predatory behavior. And NBC News covered all of that up and then refused to run the story on Harvey Weinstein. The New Yorker finally ran it and won Pulitzers for it. And we went through the whole Me Too movement and the whole Me Too movement collapsed. And a whole lot of women, frankly, who claimed to have Me Too moments really didn't have anything other than some petty grievances, and they discredited the whole. I mean, I realize I'll get attacked for saying that, but let's be truthful here. There were a lot of women who came forward with things that were supposedly Me Too moments. People were like, really? You think that? Really? There were some really awful things, and they were totally overwhelmed by all the women coming out with, with minor things that really weren't anything. It's unfortunate it happened that way. Because there are more predators in Hollywood. They're the Brian Singers of the world who preyed upon young men. And, you know, the media waits for these stories to fester and then they'll run with it because they're not really brave and they're not really up to challenging the rich and powerful, it seems. Here's a 10-year-old rape victim in Ohio. And the media is far more interested in the fact that she had to cross state lines to get an abortion than the fact that she was raped and who was the rapist and why aren't they being prosecuted? And we don't even know if the story is true. Nobody's talking. A pro-abortion activist put the story out there. Nobody's talking and the media is using it to defame the people they don't like, to assassinate the character of the people they don't like. And they're obsessed with this story. They are obsessed. The president of the United States has used this story to bash Republicans and say how bad Republicans are because a 10-year-old needed an abortion and couldn't get it in Ohio and had to cross state lines. Republicans bad, abortion good. What about punishing the rapist? What about finding out if the girl actually exists? What about verifying the story instead of taking the word from a pro-abortion activist that it's true? And what about the victims of Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein and the monsters who are out there? You know, QAnon, the conspiracy theory group, they, they believe that there is a uh, global cabal of Satanist child traffickers who are funded by and run through the deep state and Donald Trump was elected, selected by God to fight them. And apparently the devil won because Trump lost. But nonetheless, that's what they thought for a while. Conspiracy theorists tend to take a kernel of truth and pile on a mountain of lies to navigate a, a story. But in this case, it's just remarkable to me that the American media has moved on so quickly from the story of a generation 
a man who was a pedophile who was surrounded by very rich, very powerful, very famous people from Bill Clinton to Bill Gates with a Donald Trump thrown in for good measure and a whole lot of other people, that this man could get away with this for so long, finally go to jail, hang himself or be hanged. The woman who helped him could be found guilty and go to prison. And we know he was trafficking girls for other men and not a single one of these men has had anything happen to him. There was an NPR reporter who focused on Bill Gates and, and basically said he, he suspects there's more there than what we know. But that Bill Gates throws a lot of money around, gets a lot of credibility and there are entire institutions that will rehabilitate the careers of men like Bill Gates. And so there's not a lot you could do. And he's got rich and powerful lawyers and those rich and powerful lawyers send cease and desist orders. And, see, and he goes on to say, I can't say that he did anything. I can't not say he didn't do it any. I got real suspicions there, but I don't have the deep pockets to pursue it. And I get that. People like that, if they're independent reporters, they got to they gotta be worried about liability when you fight a billionaire. But newspapers, I thought that's what you did. I thought you stood up to the rich and powerful. I thought democracy died in the darkness and justice dies in the darkness too. Justice is supposed to be blind, but it's supposed to be out in the open where we can all see justice happening. Gives us faith in the system. It's just really hard to have faith in a system where reporters will go absolutely insane over an unverified story of a 10-year-old needing to cross state lines for abortion and not even ask about who raped her and is she okay and and, uh, who's been detained and tie this all together and confirm the accuracy of the story. But we actually get a woman who goes through an entire court proceeding in public, goes to prison for 20 years, turns out she's been trafficking girls to rich and powerful men around the world, and not a single reporter wants to follow up the story with the basic obvious question of who the hell are the men who are doing this? They don't want to do it. Instead, they'll turn their attention elsewhere because they're not really brave and courageous. At this point, they're broken partisans like so many other people are, and they've got a narrative to pursue, not a fact to find or a truth to tell. They've got a narrative to maintain, and their narrative isn't based on any sort of truth. It's based on raw politics these days. Whether they mischaracterize Shinzo Abe and his assassination and who he was, or they focus on this 10-year-old girl and, and moral outrage against the GOP to try to drive up vote, drive up the vote for Democrats, they They will absolutely forget there's a massive story still to be told about a woman who's gone to prison for trafficking girls to absolutely no one. And maybe they should ask questions. Was it really no one? Or was it a whole lot of very rich and powerful men? And if so, who are they? Listen, I realize it's a podcast ad, but it's also true. I do sleep under bowl and branch sheets every night. They are noticeable, distinct there. They've got a great weight to them. They've got a great softness to them, and they get softer over time. They use the best 100% organic cotton threads on the planet for superior softness and a better night's sleep. They're soft to start with. They get softer. They've also got a great weight. They're not too light. They're not too heavy. They keep you cool in the summer, warm in the winter. They're just perfect sheets, really. They use the highest quality threads there are. They're beloved even by three U.S. presidents. They got over 10,000 stellar reviews. And you can feel the difference of their iconic signature sheets pretty immediately. 
Bull and Branch even gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns on all orders. The annual summer event is starting soon, but Bull and Branch is giving you guys exclusive early access before anyone else to 20% off with promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bowlandbranch.com. It is their best offer of the year before the holidays, so you need to act now. Again, you guys, my listeners of The Eric Erickson Show, get this exclusive early access, and you get to save 20% with promo code ERIC. It's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, for 20% off. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. And by the way, speaking of that, a recipe issue. Uh, If you would please text the word recipe to 33777. I sent out yesterday my link uh, to my wife's salad that everybody demands that um, I sent the recipe. I mean, this really was peer pressure from you people, browbeaten into sending out this recipe. Uh, It's an apple, cranberry, toasted walnut salad. Everybody loves it except for me. I do not eat this. I mean, fruit in a salad. I don't eat fruit other than apples. I'll eat an apple by itself. Unbaked. It's got to just be a raw apple. No apple pie for me, folks. Texture. No, sorry. It's it's all a texture thing. Um, Nope. Nope. Not a fan of fruit Um, other than apples. I I actually do really like apples a lot. Um, But if I eat salad, I want just like lettuce greens and salad dressing or maybe some bacon or chicken or boiled egg but uh cranberries and walnuts ugh. and then a, a maple dressing on top of it I, listen I, I i hate to to say i'm i'm underselling this thing because every single person who eats the salad except for me on planet earth thinks this is the greatest salad ever and you people bullied me several of you and it's like, i lost the recipe you sent it out like several years ago and i need the recipe so you can have the recipe it is my wife's now world-famous salad that every single person who eats it loves. Apple, cranberry, toasted walnut salad with maple dressing, and I'm the only person on the planet who doesn't eat it, but everybody else does, and they all love it. So if you text RECIPE to 33777, you can get her recipe uh, for that. It's hers, and it's actually not hers. It's our friend, Lurie, who uh, we used to go to Bible study, small group Bible study, and we would have uh, occasional dinners together, and she would make this salad, and, and my wife loved it so much she was pregnant and loved this salad recipe so much she got it and craved it all through her pregnancy. That and taco pasta. Now, if you've never had taco pasta, I will send that recipe out at some point on the list. I've sent it out a long time ago. It's essentially, it's tacos, but you use pasta shells. And then you... Um, you, you you put it into the pasta shells, you bake it in the oven, and then you crumble up nachos on top and some cheese and taco sauce. It, it's really good. And when she was pregnant with Evelyn, um, so this would have been 16 years ago, my gosh, almost 17 years ago, we had to eat that almost every week. And I never actually got tired of it. It was good. And we still have it to this day. It's a great recipe. I'll send it out at some point. All right, Jeremiah, I see your text. I'm ignoring you. I eat apples. Okay. We have to move on to other stuff. There's lots of other stuff that we have to cover. Uh, One of which is the other troubling economic news out there. Uh, This is from Unheard. The economist Herbert Stein once wrote that if something cannot go on forever, it stops. The German economy is reaching the point. I did not know this. Most of Europe's 100 largest companies were founded 
in or before the 1980s. That's amazing. The German economy has not innovated in years. The, uh, during COVID, the world discovered that the German healthcare system still relied on paper, pins, and fax machines. There's no integrated computer health network in Germany, which is amazing. No digitalization. German companies have only one in the top 100 worldwide. German market capitalization as a share of global market capitalization has shrunk to 1.97%, an all-time low. And now to add insult to injury, one of the top German producers of rotator blades for wind turbines is moving to India. Villaroy and Bosch, a company that's produced tiles in the German city of Merzig since 1879, is packing up and leaving to go to Turkey. And now for the first time in 30 years, Germany has a trade deficit. It's importing more than it's exporting. German economic confidence is collapsing. Prices are going up. Uh, we're about to see the collapse of the German economy, and economists are starting to raise red flags about this. It's a serious problem, going to have global implications in addition to all the problems we're having in this country. Now, when we come back, yeah, we got to talk about Hunter Biden. Hello there. It's me. It really is the Democratic agenda in a nutshell. They really do believe if they can just make it easier for you to abort your kids, they don't have to worry about lowering costs for your family because you won't have one. That's the Democrats' path to victory in November. It's just, it's remarkable to see them pouring so much energy uh, into this particular issue, trying to fire up their voters. And they're pretty sure it's not going to work. I want to play for you real quick a clip I meant to play earlier on the Ash Press. We're going to get into the Hunter Biden stuff, but I, I, I want to explain to you why I, I try to avoid the story to a degree. But first, uh, this from Rick Perry. fact of the matter, though, is the administration, Congress, uh, you know, they need to get gas prices down because consumer confidence and inflation expectations are so tied to where prices are at the pump. So more immediately, what would you recommend uh, that the administration do? If anything, if they can do anything aside from tweeting about it. I think you clearly stand up. You admit you're wrong. And I know that one may be the, a bridge too far for this administration. It, it's pretty tough for, uh, for anybody in the political world, it seems like, to stand up and say, hey, you know what, we were wrong. But to stand up and say, listen, we were wrong and we're going to, to address this by sending the message that we're going to open up our uh, permitting for our federal lands. Uh, we're going to open up our offshore drilling. We're going to open up the XL pipeline. I mean, we've talked about these for literally months. This is the way you send the message to the, you know, whether it's a, uh, the big majors or whether it's independent drillers out there uh, in the Permian Basin. Uh, that is the way you signal and you become a clear partner in helping them help the citizens of this country get lower gas prices. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if they were focused on this? Wouldn't it be nice? Instead, well, they're focused on all sorts of other stuff. And, you know, yesterday the president gave away the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which was a good thing. Uh, gave it away to a number of people, including uh, posthumously to John McCain and to Steve Jobs. I was always surprised Steve Jobs never got the Presidential Medal of Freedom in his lifetime. Uh, it's deserved, among with others. But one of the people who was there was Hunter Biden. 
As this story comes out, this is from the Washington Examiner. President Joe Biden apparently unwittingly financed his son's participation in an escort ring tied to Russia. Records from a copy of Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop show. Hunter Biden spent over $30,000 on escorts, many of whom were linked to .ru Russian email addresses and worked with an exclusive model agency called Uber GFE during a three and a half month period from November 2018 to March 2019. He managed to do so thanks in part to Joe Biden committing to wiring him a total of $100,000 to help him pay his bills from December 2018 through January 2019. In one instance, Joe Biden wired his son $5,000 while he was actively engaged with an Uber GFE escort. In another, texts indicate Hunter Biden convinced his father to wire him $20,000 to finance his stay at a New York City drug rehabilitation program he never checked into. What's wrong with you, Hunter told the Washington Examiner shortly after the story was published. There is no suggestion in these messages Joe Biden knew his son was spending his support payments on these things. Hunter Biden disclosed in text messages with a woman named Ava, the go-between who served as his primary point of contact for Uber GFE, that his accounts were temporarily frozen at one point because his attempted payments to his girls with Russian email accounts were too much of a red flag for his bank. Ava refers to him as Robert in the message, which is his birth name. Um, I'm going to be counterintuitive here. The reason I care about the Hunter Biden story is because so much of the American media did not care about it. So much of the American media tried to discredit the American news outlet, New York Post, when it ran the story about Hunter Biden. I will tell you that I've talked to several reporters who are very good, knowledgeable reporters who were willing to entertain the credibility of the story, who say Rudy Giuliani actually botched the story. Rudy Giuliani refused to give information that was necessary to verify the story to anyone except the New York Post. So other outlets thought it must be BS because the way Rudy Giuliani was was portraying it, there is an untold story there that I think for, for intellectual honesty purposes needs to be told that Rudy botched the rollout of the story. But also... There were a whole bunch of intelligence officials who came out and defended Joe Biden and said this was Russian propaganda or Russian scam or what have you. And it turns out they were all wrong. The media circled wagons around Joe Biden on the story and got the New York Post account on Twitter suspended for pushing the story. But the story was absolutely true. Hunter Biden's not a good dude. And to the extent Joe Biden constantly refers to Hunter Biden as as his great son who he takes advice from, it is a national story because if Joe Biden really is taking advice from his son, who has been a crackhead who paid for prostitutes from Russia, uh, he's taking advice from a not good person. The reality is probably a little more complicated. Joe Biden lost his first wife and a child to tragedy. Hunter Biden seems like a deeply screwed up individual, probably because of that. 
And Hunter Biden himself is not in the public spotlight. It's his father who's president. Hunter Biden didn't ask for his dad to run for president. However, Hunter Biden profited off his father's connections. And we know, and that's part of the relevant story about the Hunter Biden issue, is that it uh, Hunter Biden has a documented history of profiting off of his father's ties. And that's what makes it a relevant political story. Uh, there was a story about an Arkansas congressman's son who was arrested for possession of meth. 34-year-old son arrested for possession of meth. He's been in and out of trouble. He was already on probation for something else. Uh, the story is not relevant, and I'm not mentioning the congressman because the story is only relevant because of the congressman. If the kid's dad was not a congressman, it would be a story about just this kid, not his dad. And I just I, I I'm abhor the idea of dragging kids into the press because of their parents. Boris Johnson, the British Prime Minister, he resigned yesterday, and for the first time showed public pictures of him and his kids. He's kept them out of the limelight and the British press has left them alone. Now they don't have a first amendment. But at the same time, I just, I, I think it's inappropriate to drag a politician's kids, regardless of their age, into stories because the kids aren't responsible for their parents. But Hunter Biden actually tried to make a living off his dad's career, which makes it different. You, you didn't see uh, the Bush daughters who became of legal age when Bush was president try to make a living off their dad. They certainly had doors open for them that wouldn't have been open otherwise, but they weren't profiting off their dad's career. You don't see the Obama daughters profiting off uh, Barack Obama's career. You see Hunter Biden trying to profit off his dad's career. That's what makes it a story. What also makes it a story is the media's double standard of behavior of trying to shut down the story and protect Joe Biden, circle the wagons around Joe Biden, and discredit another media outlet with which decided to run with the story. That's part of the problem as well. There's a double standard there. But there's also this, and I think this is really important for those of you, and, I, and I'm talking about the story, in large part you should know because, one, there is a lot of news on it, and two, I often get emails from people saying, why aren't you talking about Hunter Biden? Why don't you spend more time on Hunter Biden? All the other talk shows are talking about Hunter Biden. Well, first of all, if all the other talk shows that don't have my ratings are talking about Hunter Biden, uh, they probably need to be doing what I'm doing instead of me doing what they're doing, just number one. But number two, more importantly, they're playing to the crowd, and my job's not to play to the crowd. Conservatives love this story because it's a story that puts Biden in a bad light, but there are so many stories out there that can persuade people to become conservative or vote for Republicans this year, and not a single one of those has anything to do with Hunter Biden. If you pay attention and follow along, I spent a great deal talking about the economy lately. I think the biggest story of the day today is the story about an aluminum plant in the United States that produces 20% of the aluminum in this country is shutting down because it can't pay its power bills. And you know the solution from Democrats, I'm already getting this on Twitter. The solution from Democrats is, well, they need to put up solar panels and windmills. Well, if you actually bother to read the story, they can't stop the use of natural gas. They have to use natural gas to help melt the aluminum and they can't afford the bill. Bizarre. 
that that's their response. But these stories matter so much more. And I oftentimes think that, that partisans lose the plot. And we're seeing this with the Democrats, too. The Democrats are absolutely convinced the only issue they need to run on from now till kingdom come is the end of Roe v. Wade and abortion and scare the Jesus out of everybody. And nobody really cares because people are starving. They don't have money. They got to fill up their car with gas. But the Democrats, because in the Democratic bubble, it's such a big thing. That's what they do. And in the Republican bubble, it's Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, oh my gosh, it's the biggest story of the day. Anyone who's going to vote against Joe Biden because of the Hunter Biden story is already voting against Joe Biden. You're not persuading other people. So I've done justice to the story. It's a big story. Hunter Biden's father was giving his son money and his son son was using it to hire Russian prostitutes and his father didn't even know. And you should feel sorry for Joe Biden. Probably put him on your prayer list. Should anyway, the Bible says to pray for your leaders, not against them, but for them, pray for them. He's got a deeply screwed up son who needs a lot of help, a son he loves, who he's made clear is not his favorite son. That probably has something to do with this as well. It's a deeply screwed up family. And there's a story there because when you learn about Joe Biden, the other Joe Biden kids, you realize he wasn't a great dad. Some of you will be mad at me for saying that, but you don't have a family that screwed up without there being some problems there. And yes, some of it comes from tragedy, but not all of it. But it's also a story about a screwed up family whose kids are only in the limelight, one because he trades on his father's name, the other because her dad's the president of the United States. They didn't ask for that. It's also a story about a a father with deeply screwed up troubled kids who don't need to be in the spotlight. It's a terrible, tragic story of success and failure. But it's also a story that doesn't move the needle. It plays in the hands of partisans on the right. And so there's a reason that I don't dwell on the story. It is today a a new story. It's one most of the press isn't talking about. I'm happy to talk about it. But I constantly, I'm always amazed at the number of people who send me emails and say, you're not talking about X, Y, and Z. And then they list the names of all these conservative radio show hosts or TV hosts who are talking about these particular stories. Look, I'm not playing to the crowd. I've got a bigger audience than just the home team. And you can go to other people and you can get the same stories from all of them. And it's amazing. They're all talking about the story. Why aren't you talking about the story? Because this is my show, it's not their show, and I think there are bigger, more important things to focus on than just throwing chum in the water to get you all angry or excited about. This is one of those stories where when time comes and it's relevant to talk about, that's fine. But I got to tell you, I don't like talking about the story because I don't like talking about a family that is that screwed up. There but by the grace of God go all of us. And also, no one outside of you and me as rabid partisans give a crap about the story. That's just true. But everyone should care deeply that the policies of this administration are driving up costs so much, so hard, so quickly that major American manufacturing facilities are having to shut down because they can't afford to keep the lights on or the gas flowing. That's going to have far more ramifications in this country than Hunter Biden getting his dad to pay for his prostitutes without his dad knowing about it. One of the companies that I have partnered with that is helping the conservative movement and focusing on what really matters is Patriot Mobile. 
they take a portion of their profits and they give it to the pro-life movement. They give it to the pro-Second Amendment movement, the veteran and first responder movement. And frankly, they give it to the conservative movement. And now they are absolutely, totally uh, focused on helping conservative candidates around the country. And they do this by having you be a customer. You give them money for delightful, wonderful, good cell phone data voice coverage, and then they take a portion of their profits and put it into the movement. You should consider doing business with them, not just because they're a good Christian conservative company, but because they have great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses, so you don't have to worry about it. You can even port over your existing phone number. You don't even have to get a new phone number from them. What you can do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can check out their coverage map. You can get service from them. You get free activation with my name. If you don't want to do it over the fo- over the internet, you want to call them and talk to them, you're going to talk to someone here in the United States. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. You can call them at 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. Hi there, it's Eric Erickson here. I want to conclude the show here in the few minutes I have with Ken, who's been waiting patiently. Ken, welcome. How are you? Well, I'm surprised I got through. I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being patient with me. Oh, you're very welcome. You inform us all so very well, and you have a balanced approach, and you know a lot about elections. So my question is about elections and it must be possible to get some kind of group together. Maybe you know about it already. Maybe you're winning advanced in your knowledge about this, that of scientists, mathematicians, tech people from various uh, places and origins, political persuasions, and they come out with a, a type of a pattern that will say that fraud is impossible if we do this and this and that. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I will tell you that it, that's that's somewhat hard because fraud is is to some degree because it's a, a, a people driven thing. There are always possibilities of it. Um, I will tell you that most of the political scientists out there, but not just the political scientists, the statisticians and and the math experts out there, most, not all, actually are fairly comfortable with the electronic voting machines that, uh, for example, North Carolina uses and Georgia uses and the like, because one of the things that they do is, and most people don't realize they do this after an election. After an election, every secretary of state in the nation randomly picks precincts. Um, They usually do about 100 precincts in a state. They pick 50% rural, 50% urban, and they go in and they hand count all of the ballots. And they see if their hand counting in the precinct actually matches the electronic voting return. And if it does, well, then they've got a pretty good confidence. There's never been a situation in the country where one of these randomized post-election audits has come up with any sort of fraud. So the machines they have faith in, the problem is the people. And because we're all inherently sinners uh, and, and you got a lot of people with malevolent purposes, uh, you're, you got a lot of people who want to steal it. But here's the bottom line. If Republicans win, Republicans will be absolutely convinced that the election was done fair and square. If Republicans lose, they will be absolutely convinced from here on out the election was stolen. If Democrats win, the Democrats will be convinced it was fair and square. And if they lose, they'll be convinced 
it was stolen. Uh, I think we have crossed the Rubicon on people having faith in elections in this country. Their faith will be dependent on their wins unless they're blowouts. If they're blowouts, you'll have faith. But considering Georgia, Brian Kemp won with over 60% of the vote in a Republican primary, and you had a candidate who got single digits saying, no, I'm cast doubt on the integrity of the election. I'm not sure I'm going to concede. There's always going to be those loud, angry people who refuse to concede. The rest of us, though, need to understand that, I mean, statistically, mathematically, scientifically, we do a pretty good job in this country with elections.